Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Professor, you sound great, man. I'm so ba- I'm so glad to be back on the podcast. That one week threw me off. Oh. But listen, I'm telling you, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Double B, I can now see. Let me just say that, man. My eyesight, I got uh, both the surgeries went very, very well, and I'm very pleased. Um, I'm driving without my glasses, watching some TV without my glasses. It looks like uh, go back in about three weeks. I went this past Thursday for a checkup. Go back in three weeks. Might get a pair of glasses that um, need for reading only, like my little bifocals, you know. Yeah. So uh, real happy with that, man. But uh, back to the show. Big shout out to Sparks Third Coast, man. He came in here with you last week and knocked it out of the park. I want to tell you guys, I really, really enjoyed the podcast, man. Uh, spot on. I, I, you, I know you could have chosen several people and we'll have some of those people in the future, but man, thank you, Sparks. That's really, really good. Um, Jeremy, y'all had great conversation and and uh, I enjoyed the whole podcast, man. So uh, thanks for thanks for taking care of that. But with that said. Damn, that week threw me off, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back and tell you why I was off for it. But anyway. Mm. I have noticed that anytime I miss an episode, it takes me about two or three weeks to remember the intro to the show again. <laughs> I'm just off after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say something like Melanie's back or something like that. But I'm like, I, I've got too many other serious things to talk about. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I want to bring up, I want to thank Joe at the Art of Grappling, FTC, Art of Grappling. Um, we went to see a live WWE event with several of the students and um, uh, had a real good time, man. Uh, a solid card. I'll, I'll say this. The house shows are just so much better, man. Uh, um, the They let them work, you know. Yeah. The first match was AJ Styles against that um, Theorem guy. I'm drawing a blank on so his first name. Everyone out there say it because if, if you watch it, you know who it is. Anyway, they went about 12 or 15 minutes and just, they just rocked the place. And they had the best match of the, of the card, you know. Uh, Ziggler come out second, and he had a hell of a good match. The last time I saw him was about four years ago, and Ziggler was in the opening match and did what AJ did, just tore it down. Um, that's probably the second best match, you know. There's all talented athletes, though. Um, like I told the students, when I say students, these are these are just younger people, um, not out of high school now. You know, they're college age, and and you know some of them are twenties, and um, some had some have been to several several events, and some had never even been to one before. And that's why I told them, I said, when you walk in here, this this is actually an event. You know, because they put up the big, the you know Tron whatever that thing is, and production, the guy that come out and. I don't know who it was, man. Um, the MC it was excellent. Uh, seating was excellent. Uh, it's not really a bad seat in that that building the way they way, way they put it out there. But um, anyway, big thanks to that. We had a good time, and of course, during the road to the road to Mania now, you know, start with the Rumble, and um, I did watch that last night. I enjoyed it. What I do remember of it, Jeremy, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I had a couple cocktails in me, but I did enjoy it. Um, I, I think the ladies' rumble was a bit better than the guys' rumble. Um, but I popped the most for uh, Ronda Rousey's back. 
and uh, she won it. So it's her and Charlotte Flair at Mania. And uh, I think that's pretty cool, man. You know, um, don't want to go too much detail because you're a fan. People that watch it, I know a lot of our listeners don't. Um, you know, usually I start about this time of year. Um, I may not watch another show for two or three more weeks, you know, but I, I just kind of keep track of it because I do usually. Last year I didn't, but I usually watch, you know, WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, that's my big, you know, I do. That's their big event. That's the Super Bowl wrestling. And um, I haven't, you know, enjoyed many of those through the years <clears throat> but uh anyway i just put that out there for you man because um, people think well sometimes we we browbeat their product and we probably do uh sometimes but we never really shit on it um even on that rant we had that you had <laughs> uh we did we told people you know we're not telling you not to buy tickets not to watch or anything like that you know oh no i'll never but, yeah I, I don't care yeah. how much i dislike something i'm yeah. never gonna tell somebody else they shouldn't do it unless right, it's like right. and, you know, built by built by hand by the Chinese government or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know our fan base, you know, we're, we're more old school and things like that, but of course that is relevant. And, um, I know we won't talk too much about the, uh, NWA. We, we both talked off air a little about that, that basically we're watching some, um, TV matches, you know, like back in the day mm-hmm. and, um, you can enjoy that program. Um, uh, what I don't get, and I won't go into great detail, but I don't understand how people, if you're a wrestling fan, that that's uh, great, but I don't understand why you have to think you have to decide between AEW and WWE or NWA. Or, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, choose the product you like. You, that doesn't mean the, the browbeat or shit the, shit the other product. Yeah. Is, you know? Um, hell, that... If some people like it one way, some people like it the other. Just enjoy it, man. Get get the fuck along. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get so, that. You know, I remember back in the nineties there were arguments between Star Trek and Star Wars fans, and I'm like, what? So you're a better class of fucking nerd than the other guy? What are you what, <laughs> what are you fucking arguing over, you know? Yeah. Um And it's um <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's you know right now I guess the real the real big difference is AEW and WWE. Yeah. And here, here's my thing. Here's here's my biggest complaint with the WWE. First off, they hate wrestling, and what I like is the wrestling side of wrestling. I don't go for mm-hmm. the standing in the garden doing a soliloquy stuff. Um, the other thing is, I feel like the WWE insults the intelligence of their audience regularly. Not just here and there. Look, everybody's yeah. going to do it. Everybody talks down to everybody. But I feel like the WWE regularly goes, our audience is not smart enough to understand this, so we will shove it down their throat. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking um, it's it's not like the Monday Night Wars when you had WCW going against WWE or F at the time, you know. Right. This is just this is a little bit different. Um, that's, why, that's why I don't see – I can understand people liking one over the other or disliking one over the other. That's fine. But uh, I think it would be better because I, I think, you know, both companies have stepped up since they, you know, has has went out on, on TV and stuff now. Um, if, if there was a show that went head-to-head, um, uh, if there really was a – I know they've changed some TV times around to do this and do that. I'm just thinking if, if it got us – I don't know how to Roy really, where you say it. If if you I would have say Monday night, if they both got a Monday show um for two hours and went head to head. I know they got raw, I'm just saying. If you you know, just just a just somewhere in there where it went, you know, really 
uh, where people had had to choose or flip flat back and forth. And I'm just like, well, and I know they got smacked down going against. Um, they've got stuff on YouTube, and I don't know. I don't know what the look, fuck I'm talking about. Look, just, you know what I'm saying? TV's not like it used to be. It's you don't have to choose in between anything. You record yeah. one, watch the other. Um, you know, and and I'll tell you what numbers that used to get shows canceled, people would shit themselves to have now. Yeah. You know, if you look at how many people were watching WCW when it folded because TNT didn't want to air it anymore, that's 10 times as many people as are watching all wrestling now. Yeah. And that's one of the well, things I'll see people like, oh, AEW only pulled whatever number, right? Yeah. yeah. 900,000 people. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. Okay. Oh, but you know, they're not getting an audience. Like, guys, there's not much of an audience to get. Yeah. You know, that's really the thing here. You know, there's just not that many people out there to watch wrestling. And look, okay. So wrestling in the past has been burnt and anti kayfabe and they've come back from it. So it's possible that wrestling could get interesting to a broad audience again. Yeah. It's also possible that it never does again. Very possible. Yeah. But there's just so much. I, I don't even. TV changed so much for me. I, I very seldom watch TV. I I watch YouTube, mm-hmm. you know. I stream um, just like that, you know, to, on the Peacock last night. I watched that. And then, hell, I've got Netflix and access to Hulu. And, um, you know, I share accounts with different people so everyone can, you know, you're. Just, that's just the way it works out. So I just, but yeah. I mostly watch YouTube. I want to tell you this. You and Sparks will be happy about this, I think. Um, I watched this this morning. Um, I have watched two episodes of uh, Corner Gas. Um, oh, I okay. It, I found it yesterday on um, uh, IDMB TV. Okay. And yeah. I watched the movie on there yesterday, and I, I just was looking for things, some different things during the middle of the day. And uh, I, I saw popular TV shows, of course, and I went across the screen. And I said, you know what? I think I may start watching that tomorrow. So I liked it. Uh, I think I'm going to be a regular. And, it's uh, it, Season uh, one, episode one and two, just where I'm at. It is a one of the wittiest. Well, you know, they call it the Canadian Seinfeld. It's one of the wittiest written shows in a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little dated now. I mean, it's very like old school, but I, now I haven't watched it much since my divorce, but I love yeah. that show, you know? Yeah. And, um, I mean, to the point where I've even gone to dinner with some of the cast members. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. yeah. I thought you had told me before. So, so I just want to let you know that. Uh, yeah. No, yeah I, I've, I've caught, uh, I already like some of the wittyism on it, the wittiest stuff. And I like good writing. Of course. I like that. So. Yeah. Really sharp writing, really sharp, really the the level of humor is a very wordy kind of humor and you as an author probably enjoy it that you know yeah cuz it is just very just a lot of wordplay you know yep and that's but always I, fun i enjoyed it and, and speaking of writing uh, let's go ahead and get this out of the way we'll get into our second part part 2 of the uh, top 10 uh, british wrestlers and i'll do a rundown from 10 through 5 for us right after i plug the books jeremy how's that sounds fantastic uh, <clears throat> so yeah, the professor. I got two books out there. If you're new to the podcast, um, this may be the first time you've heard this uh, little 
PSA or whatever. Uh, and if you listen to it, you're probably tired of Bobby pushing his books. But but they're available on Amazon. And what the professor's done, he's put a couple little links to them. And my first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. And if you'll use tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, that's a shortcut that'll take you right over to get uh, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. I was thinking it was 20 cents. Then a professor, I think just last week, you get about 12 cents uh, to the affiliate account for each each book. Yep. Um, I know it's not a lot, but it does go back into the program in some small way. So we appreciate that. Also, my second book, I kicked that on too, The Educational Wrestler. That's available at tinyurl.com slash blaze book two it's that simple go get yourself a copy get the uh, family member as a wrestling fan in your family a copy or get a friend a copy and i uh, hope you enjoy them uh, both books have gotten several several reviews the first one has over 100 reviews 100 reviews and it's averaging out to about uh about a 4.5 or so and i'm really pleased with that I'm not sure. I think the second book has about 30, 32 reviews, something like that. And um, I appreciate the people that take the time to write a book review. That um, really encourages an author, but what it also does, it encourages other readers that uh, see a good review or an honest review. That's all I asked. I saw ever asked for the fair and honest review. And um, it lets other people know, hey, you know, uh, maybe I better check this book out. Again, pin me, pay me, have booth with travel. Uh, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 and tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 for the educational wrestler. I kicked that on too. So um, anyway, I, I said it backwards, but what the hell? We got a, we got bigger fish to fry today, Professor. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And the All British right. are known for fried fish. Fish and chips. Yep, when that's I it. In England, I enjoyed them. And they, just, they really do put them, wrap them up in a little newspaper there and you're good to go, man. Mm-hmm. Crazy, but good. Yeah. Did you get uh, any spotted dick for breakfast over there? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Oh, okay. No, I did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I started to say I got something else, but I better not. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'll leave that to your imagination. Oh, there. good uh, Lord. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> top 10 <laughs> British wrestlers, part two. Uh, if you're just if you missed two weeks ago, it's still available to download out there. But anyway, our number ten was Big Daddy. Number nine was Marty Jones. Number eight was um, Dave Fit Finley. Number seven was um, Rollerball Rocco, and number six was Robbie Brookside. And we had some you know different things to say about each, each of them, each of those wrestlers. And uh, we're going to pick it up with number five today. Um, Jeremy, you want to introduce number five here and, and then All we'll right. talk a little bit about it? Uh, number five is Johnny Saint. Yes. Um, he was born John Miller in June of 1941, and he broke into wrestling at the age of 15, apparently. Now, yeah. one of the things we got to address real quickly here is the British education system. You're pretty much done with high school at the age of 16. That's That's all that you're required to attend is until you're about 16. Now, after that, pe- people can go to college or trade schools or university. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different than ours. And basically over there, by t- you're 16, you're basically an adult in the UK. Basically. And I think you're drinking beer at 13 or 15. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, I think if you can reach it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, what, you can drink at a restaurant when you're 15 or 16, if I remember right. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think it was 15. I could be wrong. You but, can't sit there and get uh, shit-faced, but if you're, you know, no. if you're there with your family or something, you can have a beer. Yeah. And I saw that. Um, but I'll tell you what, before I went over there, uh, a gentleman worked out to the um, uh, fitness place I was working out at the time. He had been a, he had been over seas and took a big tour, like kind of retirement type deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, he visited, you know, England. And he said, uh, Bobby, I'm going to tell you something. He said, believe it or not, the best places, some of the best places to eat will be at a pub. And he said, you get a full, you know, four, full course meal for about 10, 10 pounds or so, you know, about 10 bucks or what it was. Yeah. But, um, uh, I think it's, but I mean, and I went to them Sundays were really good, but you just walk into a pub and you know, you order a beer and you can order a full meal, man. Um, unlike where you can just go up to the fish and chip stands and you know, you pay ten dollars for that too. They had a lot of kebab shops and things like that, but uh, stores or shops, whatever, cafes. But I enjoyed the meals just uh in the um uh, pubs and I saved some money getting them there. Um it's, it's really good good food. You get a cold beer, like I said. Um, but you're not because I, I originally thought, yeah, what if people go in the middle of the day and get shit faced? No. To have a to have a mug of beer or a glass of beer and um have a nice meal you know yeah Not many times while i was there uh the uh um i did have i think it's called a, a fry up uh for breakfast the english breakfast we did a bed and breakfast one day on the tour and um you get uh like fried eggs fried mushrooms and tomatoes uh baked beans um Two pieces of toast, you know. Um, trying to think. Oh, you get a piece, two different kind of pork. You get a sausage and a uh, maybe a bacon. Um, you know, I mean ham. It was just it was uh, pretty damn good, man. Um, of course, it's all fried. You know, and you get a coffee or a tea with it. And we stayed at this bread and breakfast um, with this German kid at the one we stayed at. Uh, and uh, we got up. This little lady had it all all fried up for us, man. It was really nice. So uh, it's pretty cool. No, that's cool. Anyway, back to Johnny Saint. Uh, yeah, 15 years old, the man of a thousand holds. Now, I'm going to tell you, um, <clears throat> Reese Ramon come to me at the school about, about could he tell, how, how many weeks ago and uh, said that she was talking to someone or asking someone advice on, on learning some more wrestling, you know. And she come to me and she said, someone told me to watch Johnny Saint. And uh, I said, yeah, well, okay. I'm familiar with him. I had just watched some stuff on YouTube. And uh, I went back and rewatched for the last several weeks up to this list uh, some of the, the matches he's had on World of Sport TV. <clears throat> we talked about those uh, being available on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a really good match since we just talked about him uh, against Rob, Robbie Brookside. Uh, there's a two-parter on there of that, but he wrestled about everyone. But there's the thing I did like, there's about a four-minute video of uh, um, like a seminar he was doing. And he was 70 in the video. And man, right here, you know, talk about a man of a thousand holds. It shows him going through at 70 now. What you've, what we've got here, you know, wrist locks, roll up pins, bridges. Um, he's just got some, a lot of good counters. Um, very incredible man. And um, anyway, I, just, I was like, we've got to put him on this list. The more I read about him, uh, the more I liked him. And the more I, uh, the more I watched, rather, the more I liked him. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, the last, was he doing something with, uh, uh, WWE UK, if I'm not mistaken, uh, some kind of ambassador over there, maybe I'm not sure. Uh, general manager of the, uh, the UK NXT. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew it was something like that because I, I think I saw, 
I won't say who because we'll get to this person later on. I think he posted something about him too um, on on Twitter there. And uh, uh, very reliable resources you'll find out or we'll find out later on. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, this lady of the lake hold as his finishing move. So um, anyway, if you're not a Johnny Saint fan. Do we know what that hold uh, is? <laughs> no, I'm sitting here. I just went over that. But, uh, yeah, if you're not a Johnny Saint fan, it's because you may not know who he is. Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and um, watch a couple of his matches, and you will be a fan. I'm telling you, it's really some exciting wrestling. Uh, and, of course, they do the round system that we talked about last week. So um, it's pretty damn good, man. Okay, no, hold on. There, hold on. You, you got you to gotta listen <laughs> to this description. Like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> um <laughs> The move used to trick an unsuspecting opponent. The wrestler sits down, crosses their legs, and tucks their head to their chest and wraps one arm around their ankle so they're effectively rolled into a ball. The wrestler then extends the remaining arm between their legs and waits for the opponent to take their hand. (laughs) When the opponent takes their hand, they roll them into an arm bar. Um, This was used by Johnny Saint as the Johnny Saint Special. Okay. I'll have to review some of those tapes a little bit closer. I don't know, or videos or whatever the hell on YouTube. Uh, I don't know that I saw him doing that. If I did, he done it too damn quick for me to catch. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we, we did, I did a three, uh, off of that. I did take back to the camp. Uh, uh, Reese, wanted to do something and she got this little arm deal down that we got from him. Um, and she, she really liked doing it and she's starting to do it in some of her training matches. Um, what was throwing us off really was, uh, uh, we, I had to catch this cause I, I, she was trying to show me and I was like, just let me watch, you know, she was trying to show me on her phone too. I said, it's going too fast Let me watch it on my TV at home and I'll get back to you. And what it was, when we do an arm bar on someone here in the States, we're out to the side of them. Okay. Yeah. And we stand at the side, we do a wrist, uh, a wrist lock or whatever from there, arm bar. Well, what he does, you're standing in front of your opponent. And so I've got you an arm bar, but I'm in front of you. And so I can work up and down your body. And that's what he did. He was doing this little bounce, and then he was hitting his butt and kicking his arm out and reversing it. And then going for several more arm moves. And um, anyway, we took, the, we took I looked at it like, here, here, here's where you're missing that, including myself. They're working from the front. And once we changed that position, uh, she got down what she wanted out of it. And then one of the other guys, uh, Psycho Chase Ward, he um, he uh, he took the other three. I said, look at this, Chase, because I've known Chase for a long time. I, I trained him when he was 18 years old. And um, I said, uh, do this. And I showed him. And he said, man, I really like that. And during his training matches, he, he did it with a couple of different people. It's just something really simple and effective with the arm. But – I stole it from Johnny Saint, and I gave it to them, and I hope they do it for many years to come. You know, oh, yeah. so well, pretty damn good stuff. And I would say, as a fan, you know, you'll have to speak separately. You know, being as a wrestler and a coach, don't out, don't, don't undersell the arm bar, uh, arm and joint, arm joint manipulation moves. Yes, look, they do hurt, but I mean, they can especially be made to look like they hurt like a son of a bitch too. Um, you know, and, and actually, you know, you ever want to make somebody piss their pants and walk them out of a party, a good hammer walk will do it. Well, so. it's funny you should say that. <laughs> I saw Sandy Scott escort a guy out of a building once with a simple, he grabbed him by the arm and hooked him and mm-hmm. 
just manipulate his ass right out of the building. Now, I will say this. It was the same guy that Buddy Landell punted right in the fucking head <laughs> before he was escorted out of the building. But, yeah. It softened him up a little bit. Yeah. It softened him up some, yeah. But, yeah, you're right, though. Um, and if, I'll tell you this. If you if the chicken wing, if you get behind someone and you grab their underneath their left arm and reach around their chin – uh, you could break their elbow, their shoulder, or come across their nose or neck, depending where you put that second arm at. Mm-hmm. But you talk about effective, man. It's it's effective. The the thing about that is, um, the drunker the person is, it's the easier to get them into that. That's why you, that's where you see that a lot of times. I don't know what bouncers do nowadays. I'm just saying I've seen it, and um, you know had to do it before. And usually the person's you know pre inebriated and. Uh, they want to fight you, and they 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 wear yourself out really quick because you you pretty much got them tied up, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and you're walking them the whole time, trying to avoid the fight, saying, "Come on, we're just going this way. We're just walking right over here," you know. And before you know it, you know you're out the door, and that's the whole goal. Um, you yep. Know. Uh, but anyway, enough about Johnny Saint, I guess, the Lady of the Lake there. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to number four, and that would be Billy Robinson. Billy Robinson. This is a name that I I would be shocked if anybody in our audience didn't know. Right, right. Um, stone cold badass is Billy was Billy Robinson. Yeah. Um, I saw him showing how to do the toe lock. The um, was it the Gotch toe lock? I don't know. It's the one that yeah, it's the one that uh, Gotch used to beat Hackenschmidt. I think. Okay. And he okay. was in his 70s, and he was showing these kids how to how to put that on. And when I saw that move and saw how vicious that son of a bitch looked, his yeah. toe, toe hold doesn't sound like much. Right. Yeah, go go watch what it really is. And, yeah, you'll, yeah, you get a whole I've different thing. I've seen some of his it. clips on there, too, um, of him coaching. He was up in his years there coaching. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say this. I've heard two things. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't speak. Just saying, these are two stories I heard. Uh, Iron Sheet claims that he tried to take liberties with him when he was a student, and he didn't like that, you know. And he always he bring, he brings it up quite often that you know that's no way to coach someone is to right. Hurt and recently on uh, wrestling shoot interviews with James, the young man from over at England, that I had the pleasure of being on his podcast. Um, he's had um, uh, Jim Brunzel on there, and he was talking about working in Minnesota and stuff, and he just said that. Um, uh, as much he, he he knew Bob Wharton could really go, you know, and uh, he he saw Billy Robinson uh, trying to uh, uh, manipulate him a little bit, you know, try to take advantage of him. He said, um, didn't hurt him. He said because you know uh, Bob Wharton. I, I said roof my mind, but it was Bob Wharton Jr. and he said he really um, you know had to protect himself because he was trying to take advantage of him a little bit. So I don't you know I don't think that's the best way to coach. Just no. saying. But that's not the same thing bad against Robinson. The other thing um, is that I know, you know, he changed mixed martial artist um, when he was in Japan. I know him and Carl Gotts supposedly had words. Um, and I think the way the story went, I could be wrong, was basically Carl just said, you know, they separated them and they went, they, he's like, would you like to go out in the street with me? And uh, he said, no. And for the right reasons, they were their own business, you know. And I think they end up going like separate bars after that. But they, 
Carl, like I said, with Malenko, they had it on and off again, hot and cold relationship. I think from what I gathered after that, that tour, uh, they were still, you know, they weren't like bitter enemies. It didn't seem like it come out of that story. It's just one of those things where like, eh, I'll go here, you go there. You know, we'll mind, yeah. our, mind our own manners kind of thing, you know. Uh, well, but, uh, so Billy Robinson came through the snake pit. Right. And every one of those places called the snake pit usually beat the living shit out of everybody that was in there. And, and, and Carl was there, and they may have been around, looking at that time frame. Yeah. He may have been around the same time because Carl was in the Olympics in 48, and he went and studied uh, uh, in 10 years over to the uh, snake pit as well. And that, you know, you're talking uh, Billy Robinson would have been there maybe a little bit before that. I'm not sure. But looks like in 58, which which that'd be 10 years, um, you know, Carl, Carl would have been over there during that time, I would think. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if, if they were there together is what I was getting at, you know? Yeah. Well, and my thinking is, is you come out of that school, you probably, you got beat up by your coaches Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you come out and you beat up as a coach and yeah, it's not, it's not, not fucking right. I mean, it's not. Right. No, I, I know like we didn't shoot fighting one Sundays down Tampa sometimes. And, and, you know, Carl would come in. Um, I was going to tail into some of that of what he was when, when he was there. Cause at that point he was training people at his place, but his son-in-law, uh, Masami was there and yeah, you know, a couple, I didn't see people trying to intentionally hurt people, but they were showing them this is how you can hurt someone, you know, um, at, at that stage and it was it's pretty rugged i'll say that the conditioning was rugged and uh the shoot fighting was you know bart bell came up man i mean they had some legitimate you know tough guys that came through there uh, uh big guy something mac florida guy they called him mac truck but obviously that wasn't his real name but his last name was mac um anyway it had several you know several legitimate guys coming through there uh, of course Gotcha. Trained a whole bunch of people over in Japan at that point too. Yeah. So, um, but but Robinson, yeah, maybe maybe ask the why because you kind of sometimes you uh, uh, it's that's the way you maybe that's the way you you teach is what you were taught, you know, and uh, that was a different breed of persons than nowadays too. We know that Jeremy, them, them guys were just tough, mean son of a bitches, and. Um, they had, and here's a re, just like you got right here. One of the reasons to be that way is you don't have the luxury of toilet paper. <laughs> very rough training environment. Uh, if Riley was very, uh, Billy Riley, if he was very uh, uh, impatient with his students, then maybe, at, you know, um, if they showed the slightest sign of weakness, well, that's, that's the way Robinson was trained. So maybe that's, that's what he knew best, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, I'm not saying it makes, it, it, makes it right or agreeable, but I am saying it, it was probably yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Before we move, I was just going to say, it, we talked about this before. I don't know that we had Billy Robinson on our legit tough guys, our, our top 10. I know Carl, we put him down a second because we had Ming at number one. That video has been taken down, but the rest of them are out there. And with that said, um, I'm wondering if Billy Robinson – Gene LaBelle and Carl Gotch weren't the three toughest men to walk the face of the earth. I don't know. I'm probably leaving someone off. Like I said, maybe a Ming or someone, but but uh, that'd be a hell of a trio right there. Oh, with, with, you mentioned that toehold, and I went back in my mind to like we watched some of those videos on uh, uh, Gene LaBelle and his uh, when he was actually was doing demonstrations from that book that, that he had mm -hmm. and uh, with Mondo, and he's in there stretching him like crazy, man. You know, so again, that's probably the reason why. 
I need to drink water. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go around ahead. Um, no, it's that would be. On, I'm sorry, people. Yeah, uh, no, that would be a a yeah a rough crowd of three right there because that'd be yeah, three guys could yeah. whoop just about anybody's ass. Yeah, Ming. See, okay, so when I'm thinking of those three guys, I'm thinking they're going to tie your ass up and choke you yeah. out or something. When I'm thinking Ming, he's going to jam his finger in your mouth and pop your jaw off. You know, yeah, rip an eye out. Yeah, bite your nose off. Different, different know. kind of fight. You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ming's the kind like of guy that if that he's out. pissed at you, the only the only chance you got is to shoot him when he's far away. <laughs> That's you know. <laughs> That just might make him mad. Yep. That was going to say, then you, that's all on you. You know, whatever happens yeah. after that point. Um, I was going to also say real quickly about Billy Robinson. I don't recall it, um, but I've heard Cornette talk about it. Um, he did come through Memphis and work some shows. And uh, uh, I guess, you know, that style was a little bit different than, you know, what the South was used to. Um, so I don't think he tore the house down or anything, you know. Um, but just uh, probably came through on like two week loop or something like that, maybe a couple of different times. But I don't, I don't recall ever seeing them. To be quite honest with you, I, you know, at a younger age, you know. So uh, yeah, uh, I would have liked to have, but I, I don't recall. He he must have already done it or not done much too t- much. Maybe didn't do the TV, you know. I'm not sure. But uh, but uh, I heard he came through, you know, a couple of weeks there, a couple of different times, and um, there was another British guy too. Uh, the reason I may mention, I can't think of the other guy, same, same kind of, um, uh, you know, legit wrestler that just kind of, but anyway, the reason I said that because this next guy I got to see and I got to meet in person on my very first wrestling match I had and everyone think they could beat this guy's ass. I bet, or the fans might have, Yeah. this guy was also a legitimate tough guy too. And that is Adrian street, the exotic Adrian street, man. And his character and his gimmick was so fucking over. People hated him, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, um, they he did the kind of gay, trans, uh, vestite type uh, of a gimmick. Um, and, man, he was just, uh, he was over, man, as a heel. Um, he come through Memphis. And, of course, we got to see him on TV and this and that. Now, real briefly, my first match was September 11th, 1988, and I was in Hayside, Virginia. Uh, there was some some, some some wrestling had finished up. I think Continental, um, Memphis was still on, and, um, you know, you st- still some shows. You, anyway, I went to this show, and um, he was there, and I just had the pleasure of walking over and introducing myself to him. Not much came of it other than to say, you know, shook the man's hand, you know, um, I think he worked the main event that night, if I'm not mistaken. But um, and Miss Linda was with them, and I think they actually uh, had been on a couple other. They they came up this way and, and had been booked on several other shows besides the one I was on. I was just booked on the one show, but that's how I got to meet them, and um, it was my pleasure. But I you know didn't get to you know learn from them or get to watch them too much other than when I saw them on a Memphis TV. Man, he could piss people off. Yeah. He could get over. Uh, well, that's when guys drew real fucking heat still. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, I always think it's funny. Wrestling, pro wrestling behind the scenes, a lot of gay people in there. Yet <laughs> still the way they would play with the homophobia in the ring and stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, I just I find that kind of fascinating. Yeah, and, you know, that that working class crowd back then. 
Yeah. Even hinting that somebody might be gay would just right. fucking work them into a froth, you know? Yeah. And, and once uh, again, he broke. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I oh, I was going to say, and I have to imagine. Did he develop that character here in the States, or did he develop that character no, in the UK? No, that's at the age of 16, once again, that's where he began his professional wrestling career. Um, his family was in a coal mining business. Yeah. His dad was a miner for like 51 years, and I'd, I'd heard that. He's got a story on, um, his story's on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty interesting, but uh, his early inspiration were Luthez, Buddy Rogers, and Don Leo Jonathan, whom Street adopted his first name, or his first moniker, and that was Kid Tarzan Jonathan. But um, he was uh, had his first professional match um, in 1957 using the name Ken, uh, Kid Tarzan Jonathan. Um, later in Street, developed that exotic Adrian Street image. I'm pretty sure that he did that over there because he made his own clothes. And at one time, um, I don't know now, but at one time you, he had he he would sell gimmicks here. Uh, he did masks and robes and. He done all of his own stuff, and uh, the thing about him, to my knowledge, um, he's a, he's a self-made man in that business because uh, he had records. He still got several records. Um, I would imagine he sells them through his website. I'm trying to think of which interview or who I saw interviewing him, and he was talking about that. But he's a uh, man. He's done so much outside the ring as well. He owned a gym at one time mm -hmm. in Florida. Um, I think. I think. Um, he still trains quite hard. I can't remember um, if that's on that video as well. I have to type in his name in the YouTube there, and uh, I, I think there's a really good interview. That, that I can't, just can't remember which podcast it was, what I was getting at, but it's really cool about his life story on there. But he talks about going back to the coal mines and people thinking, you know, that he was gay and uh, or effeminate or whatever, but he but he wasn't. You know? Yeah. Um, that was the thing. Um so, no, and he was a, he anyway. was a pretty serious bodybuilder. Um, yeah, yeah, and I remember in the early two thousands, I happened across his website, and he had a, you know where he was telling the story about him and um, well, was it Miss Linda or yeah. Um, but I guess when they first started, she wrestled as Blackfoot Sue, a Native American character. Man, and I I can't remember. I want to say they tried it here in the states and realized it wasn't going to work. You know. Yeah. Um. But he had like on his website, he had all sorts of like you know, hey, this is how you get you know a thicker chest and yeah. all sorts of bodybuilding tips and stuff. Seemed from my limited ability to understand what he was saying, seemed like a guy who was very knowledgeable and had a hell of a career to follow. You know. Yeah, and, I, I think he did. Yeah. Um. I'm thinking I can't I don't know the exact year, but it would have been late 70s, early 80s. Um, he had a uh, well pre-internet, you know, like you talked about his website and me talk about that podcast. He he would run an ad in a magazine sometimes for a wrestler's mask mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, like to the general public, not not the professional style, because I know he made professional styles too. But the gimmick ones that that eventually became popular out on the indie circuit, people you know, make up these little masks now and sell them five, ten, twenty dollars, whatever. But uh, he was doing that years and years ago. He, you know, um, really got over. You know, um, made knew how to learn how to make money. Let's say that. You know, learn how to make money. Well, and that's that's really the trick. You know. Yep. To anything. We're getting down here to the nitty gritty, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry if I'm talking over, man. I'm off the hill, but that week threw me off, man. 
You know, Bobby, uh, like bad. And I apologize. It's you got nothing to apologize for because it when I miss a week, it I am literally two or three weeks before I <laughs> I've got my shit back together. And yeah. I got to tell you, you know, I, I'm starting another podcast as a side project and it's a Star Trek related one. And the other day, as we were recording the first episode, I had to remind myself not to do the Bell to Bell Blaze opening. So I was afraid I was going <laughs> to fuck up the opening today when we started. Uh, we'll take our plugs. We can get them at, man. Oh, yeah. No, no. It'll it'll come up. It'll come up on there. Yeah. Right? But yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, follow me at BobbyBlaze744. Um, you may stop following me after this episode. I don't know. But uh, Jeremy can be reached at the Geekish Cast or the joint account, which is Bell to Bell Blaze. And there's also a Facebook uh, page that is the Bell to Bell Blaze also. And we have Bell to Bell Blaze website at www.belltobellblaze.com. Uh, we've got T-shirts available there, stories available there, some pictures available there. And um, I have just been too sidetracked uh, write some other things out to even send in a, blah, a blurb for that. But I, but I apologize for that too. But, but we're getting it together, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to anyway. No, it's, Number two, Jeremy. It's going to be fine. Number two. Okay. Okay. Is the Dynamite Kid, a.k.a. Thomas Billington. Yes. Man. This is the now, guy that everybody... Yeah, this is the guy that everybody pointed to is like this is the this is the guy to wrestle like. This is you know the Yes. Transformational, I think is the right term, you know. Right. If we go back to uh two weeks ago or that podcast on part one, several of the people that, that wrote in, and we appreciate that again, I won't go through all the names. Most I think all three of them I'm looking at right now from notes about two weeks ago. Um all three have mentioned the British Bulldogs as a team. Jeremy and I spoke. We sent in, you know, we talked about this list, and I hope you're really happy with this list. But there, um, we decided we weren't going to do the British Bulldogs because it was more the dynamite kid, like you said, transitional, uh, mind-blowing people, changed the business in some aspect as to, you know, like you said, how people are doing matches. Uh, he was doing those matches um, for years, you know, in Japan mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Tiger Mask before, you know, and we got the, I guess the big one was like uh, 1981 Mask Square Guard one when, when they worked together. Uh, it kind of opened some eyes there too. But um, we didn't put in we didn't put in Davy Boy for a reason. We we're, we're going best wrestlers, and that's not a dig towards Davy Boy. It's not a dig towards the British Bulldogs as a unit. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to go with wrestlers, and we went with with Dynamite Kid uh, coming at number two. Um, notable feuds, of course, like I said, man, Tiger Mask in Japan, Bret Hart in Canada. Um, you know, he was in Stampede for years. Um, he he just incredible man. Um, he could do about anything in the world in that ring. Um, just, uh, he, he, he was one of the few people. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. He had an explosiveness to his movements, too, where it just seemed like he could go from a dead stop to <laughs> fucking 100 miles an hour, you know? Yeah. And yeah. his suplexes were sharp, and they looked like, looked like they would just knock you sideways. Yeah, and I think they, they um, the way he worked, um, the athleticism involved, 
I saw him live, you know, several times. I'm thankful I didn't wrestle. Got to be honest with you, he'd eat me up. But what I was going to say earlier, you made mention of this, um, or put it in the notes there. He's one of the few people, and it's going to sound crazy, but uh, uh, Malink, or uh, I'll say Benoit first because mm-hmm. Benoit, you know, took his same style and he wanted to beat the Dynamite Kid basically. Yep. Uh, and, and and Dean was the other one that I knew. Uh, as well as Eddie, those four guys, um, and Dean told me this when I was, I'd maybe worked uh, Canada and, and came back and was helped out the school down there in Tampa and things is, um, he could do all the, the there's a, there's a different style. And, um, one of them's a British style, um, Mexican, if you can wrestle down in Mexico to Mexican style, cause they work from the right hand side, uh, in Japan, uh, Canada, the, the layout of the match is just a little bit different, but, um, and of course, we'll say American style when we say Canada, uh, involved in that a little bit. So, uh, basically those four styles, man. Um, and, and, um, he could do it. He could do all four styles. He could work from the right from Mexico. Uh, he, some, some styles are more stiff. He could do the stiffer matches, you know, like in Japan. Um, and he could do, of course, obviously the British style and obviously the, 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 um, American or, North American type style. We work from the left, and he, of course, um, done a, transitioned very well into the WWE style. They have their own style there, their own style of matches, and um, mm-hmm. you know um, he learned that style. So uh, very, very well rounded uh, professional wrestler. And yeah, well Bobby, deserving to be on this list. I got a question for. I, I don't know that you'll know the answer to this. Uh, World of sports style. How big a ring do they use? Oh, you know what? This 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 is just me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am by looking at this. Now this ring we train in here. We have a sixteen by sixteen foot ring. I used to rent this ring years ago, um, and Joe at FTC bought it. It's a very nice training ring. Um, at, the t- at one point, it was nice for the shows, too. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to a point here. It, most rings are 18 by 18 or 20 by 20. Yeah. WWE, uh, WCW, most of the so. We're used to seeing those bigger ones. I want to say, by looking, and there's things called TV rings. And there's some old footage, um, uh, Detroit, uh, some others. Uh, trying to think of the other one. I know it's Detroit. But I'm looking at these rings and I'm best of my memory too. I don't know if they would call that a TV ring or not, but I swear to you, I'm thinking those rings are 14 by 14. Um, and I've only seen it a few times in the United States many years ago. Uh, that extra two foot just on a 16 by 16 foot ring makes a difference, just like it does to the 18 footers that we run our shows in around here are 18 footers mm-hmm. usually. Well, that to me on that word of sport, I honestly think they're, um, 14 by 14. Okay. And also when I said a TV ring, sometimes, um, you know, they're elevated just enough, uh, for the TV coverage. Now we're talking world of sport, you know, many years ago, the, and where the audience can actually see it still, uh, but, um, and the ring smaller and it makes the, the uh, wrestlers appear a lot larger, if that makes sense. Because you're a little bit deceived by the ring you see at a house show, where it's mm-hmm. bigger, you know. Whereas if a TV ring, it takes up less space. And I think, um, and, and again, the illusion is making your wrestlers look a lot bigger. I could swear 
um, and I may be wrong. How, I, it could be 15. I don't know. It could be an odd number. I've already heard of you know evens, but I swear it looks like a 14 by 14 foot ring. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, because I was just thinking right then as we were talking, and it always seemed to me like when you watch a British match, the, the ring seems small. And I didn't yeah. know if that's just, you know, what whatever just stuck in my head or whatever. But I have to imagine if you start in the UK and if rings are that size and you get here in, you know, most indie shows and I'm sure Stu Hart probably ran an eight foot, 18 foot ring, which is yeah, probably about common. And then the WWE ring is actually a little off square. I think it's like 21 by 20 or some weird ass thing. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but it was because of the way the hard cam hits the ring. And that way, if you cross, you know, cross that direction, so you're running in front of it, basically, uh-huh. it makes it all look larger. And okay. so, but it's got to be a son of a bitch. Go if you're going to hit the ropes or do anything like that, and then all of a sudden there's an extra four feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've it, never done it, but it sure sounds it, to me no, like it does be, make a difference. Yeah. It does. We we do training, uh, like I said, that sixteen by sixteen, but now. We do, like, there's a couple of drills we'll do, and I'll say, you know, look, you're going to have an extra two feet to do this, but in this ring, this is what you, you might want to do to adjust. It could be something as simple as uh, reversing a, um, say you're in a turnbuckle, and I'm reversing you from one turnbuckle to the other. You take a couple of steps in a 16-foot ring, you're, like, right in the middle right there. To have to, and then you're trying to reverse from there, so sometimes we have to step back, then reverse it, excuse me, so the person can hit the other turnbuckle out of the reversal, you know, it's just easier to do in training that away. Uh, but most people adapt, uh, very easy to the 18 by 18 ring for the shows, um, uh, quite easily really. Um, the only difference is, is, um, if we're working on cardio drill, like I do a cone drill where you do drop downs or pancakes and we try to set little records, um, uh, hitting the ropes and doing drop down, drop down, drop down, drop down, hit the ropes and things like that. And, um, so you're not out there, doing that the entire time, say someone done it the other day for three minutes or what have you, they're not out there in the middle of an 18 foot ring, uh, doing rope work for three minutes straight. You know what I'm saying? They're getting yeah. a break here or grabbing a hold there or whatever. So it, it's, you know, you're, but as far as footing and stuff, you, you, you have to get an extra step off the ropes is all you, you hit the ropes and you know, okay, just run to the other side, hit the rope. As long as you grab that rope, you'll more likely get the footwork down, you know? So it's, it's not too bad actually. Um, anyway, anything else about the rings? We uh, no, that was just a, sorry, you know, sorry, it was a quick aside, yeah. but it was a question I had. Um, uh, good question, yeah. I, I watched that them YouTube and I'm like, I think that's 14 by 14, you know, yeah, it just seemed like a small ring, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, All we right. should probably do here, yep, we should mo- probably talk about what, uh, number one, which is gonna be uh, <laughs> Lord William Regal. Or Stephen yes. Regal, or you know, uh, uh, Darren Kenneth Matthews. There we go. Yes, Darren Matthews, who is much, much, <laughs> much younger than we think he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, and also going back two weeks ago, uh, Marty Jones, one of those lists, was the one that trained, um, and we kind of kayfabed it or whatever that William Regal was going to be number one, but uh. We said that he trained someone that Marty Wood or Marty Jones trained someone on this list, and you know, just wanted to bring that out that uh, that he did. Um, uh, he um, came in, Jeremy. What uh, 
we best know him probably when he came into WCW, uh, getting um, interviewed by uh, probably uh, uh, JR at the time, mm-hmm. I think, WW, uh, WCW rather. Um, Maybe Missy Hyatt at the time. There. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you take over a little bit there. Oh, it's just, okay, I, I remember him quite well because the way he would look at the crowd was like my favorite thing about him. He just he looked into the crowd like you fucking people stink. You know? <laughs> and he was just great at it and his skill in the ring is often very underappreciated. This guy was a a brilliant brilliant tactician in the ring and he's a good storyteller in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, man, Bobby, you did you you worked around? Yeah, you worked with him. I got to work with yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so when I met him, uh, I don't know, I hadn't been at WCW too long. And it was him and Pitt Finley and Dave Taylor uh, hanging around each other mostly. And I walked up and, you know, of course, spoke to him. And uh, the good thing about being trained by Malenko and Dean Malenko is. People automatically, um, you know, of course, people, I think, will treat you the way you teach them to treat you, you know. Yeah. Uh, you give someone some respect, you'll get some respect. Uh, I'd been there a couple weeks. They had seen me work. Uh, they knew that Dean had trained me. And um, so there was, a lot of, there was a little bit of respect there, and that was a good thing, you know, when, you, when you're talking to those guys because I certainly had respect for them and knew who the hell they were, you know. And um, what I did was uh, uh, I had been to South Africa in 92, and I had heard that tour before me um, that went over there, the, several of the guys went to jail, not for anything they they intentionally did, but it was one of these deals where uh, there was a shy, shyster of a promoter. Um, and the, uh, there was uh, three promoters you worked for over there at the tour I went on. And one of them, I guess, uh, I'd heard the story. Uh, I actually heard it from the dirt sheet, and that's what I knew it. And uh, I knew that Regal had worked for one of the promoters I'd worked for. So we started talking about going to South Africa. And I joked around, and I can't remember if he said, did you go to jail too? Or if I said, uh, actually, I think you all went, you, you had to go to jail, right? And he said, yeah, I won't mention the promoter's name. He's, he, he's probably dead by now. But anyway, uh, I'll just keep that out of there. But what happened was the guy which I was smart enough to do this. Malenko had told me never give up my passport. Yes. <laughs> so I knew that. But uh, apparently a couple of the guys, as soon as we got off the plane, myself and Ron Starr, were waiting a couple of hours at the airport. We didn't get off on the best foot uh, when we got to South Africa because that one promoter did pick us up. Two out of three treated us so good. And accommodations and everything, no, no worries. This guy, though, was just, like I said, not, not a very nice guy. Um, and he would give you your work visa, and you'd have a certain amount of days to feel, you know, that you're allowed to work in that country. And he took a couple of people's passports, held them, uh, and I was supposed to do a 28-day tour. I did 21 days, and we got to out of country. British mm-hmm. Airways helped myself and Ron Starr escape, basically. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, thanks to the U.S. Embassy, we was in contact with from about day three, I guess. But uh, the guy would work... Um, the way it would go, say say we're supposed to work a show tomorrow, uh, today's date, you know, being the 30th, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, your passport, uh, you have your passport but and your visa paper so you can work to the 29th, okay? 
and he would he would run one more big show, draw quite the crowd, okay, say on the thirtieth, and then he would re- report you, call the police himself, <laughs> okay, your South African police come and get you, put you in jail because you worked past your visa date. So guess what happens? He don't what have to pay you that night or maybe for that week of that tour and you're stuck. What a son <laughs> of a bitch. And I can't, I think Tony Atlas, Regal, uh, I want to say it's Johnny Grunge. I, I it might've been both public enemy. I can't remember. Uh, oh shoot. This other guy, GQ. Uh, anyway, there's several guys I'd, I'd known. And so, uh, Point of the story is, William Regal and I knew that. You know, we talked about that. Now, I don't know, though, if he was, I cannot honestly say if he was on that tour behind me that, that uh, of the group that did go to jail, but but because I'm not saying he did. Uh, if you want to read about it, he's got a book called Walking Golden Mile, and, he, and I, I can't remember. I've read it years ago, but uh, it's available at tinyrail.com slash golden or gold regal. Gold Regal. It's a really good book, but my mind is, I can't remember if he, he avoided jail because he knew like I did not to give it the passport or, or, or if he actually went, you know, someone's dad sent money. Um, that's the only way you get out. You know, someone has to pay back to the United States, pays your uh, bond or whatever, mm-hmm. and they get you out of the country. But that promoter, um, you know, just, uh, he, get, he, he got the gate and didn't have to pay you. And I'm thinking he probably held back that last week's pay instead of just one night, too, you know, because um, he's supposed to pay you the next day kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, that's the story there. But um, as far as Reed goes, everyone knows him now most recently. Um, and I'm, I'm curious as to where he's going to show up at. But he's been with, you know, WWF for 21 years, and, or WWE, rather. And, uh, you know, he... Um, he was talking about his facials and this and that. I, just that whole, um, uh, again, he started at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loved, I know this, but he loved that British comedy and the comedians. And he really just could, um, he knew what, how to turn it on, man. But as far as working with them, um, I did some tag. That was early on, like I said, when we first started talking. So I always spoke to him every time, all three of those guys. I saw them. Um, at the end there, before everything went to hell in a handbasket there, uh, you know, I was getting a little bit, you know, getting some wins on Saturday night and then I was, you know, getting good balance, you know, 50-50 matches or what have you and stuff. Uh, and, and then someone else came in that, you know, the books changed, but the agent changed for this match. And I'm like, okay, this is my agent now. Well, that agent had a thing for um, uh, Malenko and a couple of guys I knew pretty good, you know. So, um, you know, you try to get along with everyone professionally, but you start saying, okay, my contract's getting ready to come up, and, um, you know, uh, I'm starting to do some of these other matches. But what happened was uh, they put me with the guy, a real nice guy named Adrian Bird, uh, uh, short stock. He played football. I think he played football where Cena did at, at, uh, up there in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Springfield or somewhere. Anyway, uh, they started tagging us, and, of course, they put us against the uh, uh, Regal and um, uh, Taylor. And uh, then there was another young guy named Dave Burkhead who had just finished up in Linkos. They started putting us in six-mans, and they, and, uh, they added um, – uh, Super kick. What's his name here? Brian, uh, not Brian, uh, Chris Adams. Yeah. Gentleman Chris Adams. So anyway, I got to work with Regal and that since I was in a tag match. Now, uh, the way this worked was, uh, <laughs> I'd been there 
they knew me. They didn't know the other two guys that well. The other two guys are very green, and it's not a dig towards them. It's just where they're at in their career. And um, every time I got in, they had put me over doing something. <laughs> then, they, <laughs> then they had tagged Bobby, and I tagged it. So <laughs> they, uh, the first, I think we did like three tag teams, just me and Adrian against um, Adrian and myself against uh, Dave and, and, and Regal. And uh, it's always like, you know, um, you know, we got you. We got you. So I'd get to do some th- – so they just put the heat on him the whole time. You know, I you know, might do something. they say, tag. And as soon as I come in, you know, hip toss me. It'd be something. You know, he feed me something. So it was really, really easy. But uh, like I said, a lot of change was going there and on there. But also, to the best of my knowledge, um, when it came to six-man – I don't think any of them liked um, Chris Adams. And they put him on there where he was British. That's the only reason they put him with them on the six-man, right? Again, some things are changing the booking office there, or agents, rather. And uh, uh, Regal come to me at night and said, Bobby, have a short arm tonight. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> well, I'm, they beat the piss out of them two boys. <laughs> they were mad because Adams was with them. And... Um, and I'm not – they didn't hurt them very professionally. So let me clarify that. When I say I'm just saying they got them in and didn't give me anything. And then they go to tag, and I turn and look out in the audience like, who's clapping over there? <laughs> <laughs> and they'd, they'd have to stay in. And then, uh, you know, I'd see them take them down. I knew something was coming. And uh, uh, Adrian and Dave both would – when they did something, they'd come up, and when they tagged me, they said – uh, feed them this, feed them that, you know. And uh, I'd come in, and as soon as I did something, they they would take a bump for me. <laughs> they'd nice. tag, they said, "Stay right here." I I they'd tag, and here comes Steve uh, 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 Taylor in, right? Hey, Bobby, you looking good? And like tag out, <laughs> and I go and tag out, and then they start getting the heat on the young boys again. It was really funny, man. Uh, I wish I could have had. I, I wrestled. I don't know if Adams got in the tag match. To be honest with you, I don't remember. I wrestled Adams twice. Uh, I wrestled fin- Finley a couple times. I, that was the only way I got to wrestle Regal was under those circumstances. Was like the last three or four tapings I was there that you know put me on some tag matches with them. But it, but it was a true pleasure to be in there. Someone so talented, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I'm glad it went that way. Uh, in fact, I came home, <laughs> and I it was like one of the one. One of them's like one of the first taping. If you're in the first twelve matches, comes out the the you tape on Tuesday would be out that Saturday, and then if you was matches thirteen through twenty four, those came out two weeks later on TBS. Okay, the way we did our schedule, and so I was home uh, uh, when the second week came out, and uh, Larry Zbysko was doing the announcing. <laughs> he saw me like looking out to the audience. <laughs> You know, and he knew what was going on, the short arm deal. You know what I'm saying? And he said, man, and he just said, don't. Uh, he, he he has put me over big time. Like, Bobby Blaze, if he ever gets in this match, folks, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he was put me over too, right? Because he caught on to what was going on, man. And uh, it's funny because he was worried that he was – he mentioned I, I got mentioned for not being in the ring more than the guy in the ring getting beat up. You know what I'm saying? And I was Those like, guys oh, must man, have – they must have really pissed off a lot of people or something. I, I, no, no, it wasn't – no, they was pissed off at the, the agents. 
And, and uh, no, they weren't pissed off the young guys. No, okay. they, 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 but they were professionals. What I'm saying, let me yeah, clarify. Yeah. They did not hurt anyone, but they, they also didn't want to. They didn't want me to one me. They, they knew what I had been doing there for a couple of years now. You know, yeah. they didn't want to go out there and kill me. Um, you know, honestly, that, that, that is that professional is what I was getting at. No, they were more hot at the agent that put them together. Uh, Back in the back, things were happening in the back. You know, this is this is '99, and things are changing. You know, as yeah. as we found out just a few months later after that. But anyway, no, no, they and I'll say they were pissed off professionally, not personally. You know, at, at certain things going on. You know, and um, uh, it had nothing. Arn wasn't my agent then. Uh, uh, Terry wasn't. I don't even think Terry was still there. Kevin wasn't. Just someone come in and start aging some some of the matches and um, uh, put them together and put certain people together. And again, you notice that Malenko and Benoit and him left shortly after all that. You know, mm-hmm. this this is all around that same time period. So there was just things going on uh, professionally, but but I wasn't involved in it. Hell, I, my contract was going to be up. I'm just glad they took enough care of me. They didn't job job me. You know. Uh, because it could have easily been done. Uh, uh, Sid proved that because we had to do a tag match, two on one, and, you know, just things happen. But uh, point being, Regal's a class act, man, just class act. Uh, Just uh, uh, really happy for his career. It's interesting to see where he's going to go. Again, we chose him to be number one just because everyone uh, on our podcast should obviously know who he is and um uh just great tremendous performer man um i i saw so many good matches that he's had through the years um and uh of course i loved when uh he got to wrestle with bobby eaton as his tag team partner <laughs> that was the robert of what was it? the the earl of eaton yeah <laughs> robert <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah Robert the Earl of Eaton or something, yeah. uh, but uh, funny stuff. And I remember, you know, Blue Bloods, you know, so I remember <laughs> Bobby Eaton and myself, he was telling me we was up there, we was in Vancouver uh, shooting the video for EA Sports or the motion capture for them. And he was talking about, they flew him to LA, him and Regal, and he's standing on the corner with those white socks on. And with the suit, with the white socks. And he just started laughing. He said, man, it's such a stupid idea. You know, and he's telling me, and, you know, how, and he goes, uh, but the only thing, though, Bobby, and that's what he, Bobby, Bobby talked like that. Bobby, like, uh, that, that's about the only thing. Uh, got, uh, they end up, they did these, um, uh, we was up there, hopefully going to get royalties from this, this, uh, video game and Bobby was telling me a story. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you to count on or not. He said, uh, well, British, when we when we doing that, the um, the guys were uh, uh, the Blue Bloods. They made dolls, I guess, some stuffy dolls you could beat up or whatever. My pal pillows or something. Okay. Uh, him and him, him and Regal. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about those I, dolls. Yeah. And, they so were they like had a, the Blue Bloods. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing the ads or something for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were the ones I think not not the things you collect now, like the action figures. These were like the puffy, you know. No, no, this was like a, type. a pillow in the shape of a yeah. person with a slightly yes. rougher outside. Yeah, yes. And Bobby was like, "I never did to see you. any money from that. No royalties. They owe me royalties for those." <laughs> I just remember that's been a two story. Was how he <laughs> he was out there being a hick in L.A. Wearing those white socks, you know, uh, with the suit, and then also he never got any royalties from those. Uh, my 
my buddy or whatever the hell it was. Fuck, you I, know. Bet you, I bet you none of them sold this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have had a hard tell Bobby that. <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, yeah. I hope everyone loved our top 10. I'm going to go through it one more time just from the top, okay? Number 10 was Pig Daddy. I, I can get my paper back out here. At least I can see it now, buddy. Uh, yeah. That. Then number nine was Marty Jones, who trained William Regal. Uh <laughs> We got uh, Dave Fit Finley, who, yes, I did have a match uh, with him down in Orlando. We talked about uh, Rollerball Rocco, uh, number seven, six with Robbie Brookside. I talked about being over at England with him. The uh, Johnny Saint came up today, as did Billy Robinson. The exotic one, Adrian Street. And then um, Dynamite Kid, man, you know, up there, up there, up there. And then uh, number one, as we just talked about, William Regal. Um, and, uh, man, just a first-class guy, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm happy for his success because he said that he was just, um, uh, you know, he, he – he, I can't remember the exact tweet it was, but it was something about him being, um, you know, just uh, work, uh, working on the boardwalk, basically. Uh, you know, 15-, 16-year-old kid out there and um, traveled, got to see the whole world um, – and uh, so, yeah, he just uh, uh, one of those guys that just was happy being a wrestler and, and, and wrestled and a wrestler's wrestler and a man's man, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, but I was trying to see if that one tweet, I um, can't remember exactly what it was. Um, yeah. He, here's a couple of them. Thank you to WWE for a wonderful 21-year 20, run. You gave a lad who was happy and in Wonderland wrestling or in a carnival um, have a charmed life for 21 years. No complaints. And please, no one waste time replying as I don't have a bad word said against the company. So that's that's really cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's so that's a pro right there. Man. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, got anything else to wrap up with? I think I got to talk about the 20, uh, February 12th real quick. If you don't care, go ahead. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, mention that, uh, we got a big show. FTC has got a big show coming, uh, Saturday, February the um, 12th at the Boyd County community center. Um, it's gonna be a really big event. It's gonna be on fight TV, Jeremy, just so you know. Okay. Um, I think that's cool. The, um, Let's see, show starts at six thirty with a couple of dark matches. It goes uh, at seven o'clock. The, the taping starts. The only thing I'm not sure of at this point is if they're going to do um, uh, do it live or re- uh, they bar- they might have to broadcast it an hour after it takes place on Fight TV. Not, I'm not sure if they they signed that how that worked out yet. Um, I'll tell you right now, the main event is Jock Sampson and Brock's Boulder. Um, they're going to do a last man standing match. As I mentioned, Reese Ramon will be on a show. She's wrestling with, uh, uh, Sarah bubbles. That's the ladies match. Um, also have coming in, um, L- luscious Lawrence from OVW, Matt cross. Um, what's his name? I'm looking at his picture. Enzo, damn it. Enzo is coming in Redbeard. Eric Redbeard's coming in. Uh, Rakishi's coming in, and so is Scotty Too Hotty doing the, war- the worm, and also Jordan Grace is going to be in combat. 
Um, it's Saturday, again, Saturday, February 12th at the Boyd County Community Center. Um, and it's put on by uh, FTC, man. It's going to be it's called My Way, and it should be a hell of a show, man. Um, I'm trying to think here real quickly. Uh, just hope, hope everyone comes out for it, man. It'll be a fun time, something to do, you know. Um, Lawrence is wrestling uh, uh, Scotty Too Hotty with Rikishi, like I said. I'm trying to think. I mentioned that match. Going through Jordan Grace is looking for. She's going to wrestle uh, Ray Lynn. Um, think she does some work down OVW as well. Oh, okay. So it should be a really action-packed card. Um, I'm going to be there. I'm just going to probably age it a couple matches from the back and and enjoy some good professional wrestling. Uh, hopefully, um, going to say what I was going to say is wrestling the way you remembered it. You know, wrestling the way it should be or something. But uh, the way you uh, like it. Yeah, and there was also a special ladders match. It's, it's for the contenders uh, AOG ladders match. We got uh, Psych Ward and uh, Caleb Throne. Um, I kept calling him Caleb Thorn. For every, I get everyone's name mixed up, and they know that. Hell, I called him Brendan for two years, I think, or something like that. But Caleb Thorne <laughs> and uh, Throne, rather. See, I just said it again. Caleb Thorne and also Juan. So it's a three-way um Ladder match. That should be very interesting. Um, I'm wondering who they're going to carry out on a stretcher on that. I don't know. but uh, And I don't know to finish any of these matches and don't want to, uh, other than the, the two I'm agenting, uh, because I want to go and enjoy the show, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, And I might pick up one more match. I don't know. But but I, cause I just like doing what I can do, you know, helping when I can. And so I'm going to do the two dark matches the best I know and, and uh, have fun with it and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Well, I got to say, just as somebody who's known you for the last couple of years, the happiest you have seen in the entire time I've known you has been since you started doing this. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. And you. I'm glad, I'm glad you're out there and active and doing something in wrestling. Cause yeah. it seems like you're really enjoying it. Well, my brother brought that to everyone's attention, uh, back in last June, they had a birthday party for me. And, um, you know, some, sometimes I just, you have a hard time getting out sometimes and mm-hmm. have a hard time doing something. But during that time of COVID and have to stay in, you know, I looked at that couch over there and I said, man, there's nothing happening on that damn couch or in this chair. Cause you're watching TV, you're listening to podcasts, you're reading and doing whatever, you know? And I was like, fuck it. If this, when it's, you know, once we can get back out there, I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get back out there, you know? Um, and that's all I'm trying to do. I just try to, I'm trying to do my best every day, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days are better than others. Like we all have, you know what I'm saying? Yep. But, uh, uh, I, I appreciate you noticing that and, and also mentioning it to me. Cause that means a lot to me. Um, it has helped me. It has, I've met some really cool people and I've, you know, I got, Glad to get to go back to some shows again. I'm getting to see some of the guys I hadn't seen for years in wrestling at some of these. Uh, uh, we got Bluegrass Con, too. Um, I'm going to start promoting that, just so you know. After February 12th, um, uh, I talked to Earl at Time Warp, and we got some big names coming for that. Um, also, I just so you know, I will be at WrestleCade this year. Time Warp and FTC are sponsoring me, so... Um, we got a big table. Uh, I'll tell you who's going to be. You're not going to believe who we're bringing in, or they're bringing in, rather. Uh, 
in addition to me at our table, they they we've got we got a nice booth set up. We'll, we'll have a nice booth set up this year at Wrestlecade. Okay. And I think this year will be five years that I've been down there, so that's just about right, you know. Uh, it's only like a four and a half hour drive, so it's not like uh, um, real far away because I don't like traveling too far anymore, um, you know. And uh, that's my preference for now, but um, uh, looking forward to doing that too. But yeah, I'm looking for right now. Like I said, got out last week on a Sunday, and the next time will be uh, got a couple of classes at camp coming up this week, and then I'll be out there February 12th at the uh, Boyd County Community Center, you know, and um, and also finally feel like we're winding down this podcast. I'm just now getting my voice back in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that week off kicked my ass, but again. What a professional job Sparks did and you did and the way it came together. I, I appreciate it because uh, I'm just going to say this, Jeremy. See you at the matches, wrestling fans. All right, everybody. For myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, the late Tex Johnson, and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>